On March 11th of this year, President Joe Biden signed the American Rescue Plan Act. Among other things, that act supplies $350 billion to cities and states to help countervail the negative financial impacts of the pandemic. In many instances, state and local government revenues did not decline nearly as much as had been projected, which means that to a certain extent, these federal monies represent a bit of a windfall for governors, mayors, and other local policymakers. As indicated by writers Glenn Thrush and Alan Rappaport, three months after its passage, cash is beginning to flow to state and local governments. According to the Treasury Department, as of earlier this month, $194 billion have been released. To date, that money is being spent on a range of efforts, including keeping public sector workers on payrolls, supporting key industries, providing services to the homeless, and improving broadband service. In general, these federal monies come with relatively few strings attached, but the Biden administration has begun altering the program's rules to allow money to be spent even more broadly. For instance, in May, the Treasury Department told states that they could use their funding to pay for lotteries to encourage vaccinations. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. You may have heard that the cost of building a new home in America has risen rapidly over the course of the pandemic. As indicated by Bloomberg, from lumber to paint to concrete, the cost of virtually every single item that goes into building a home has been surging higher. There are many factors at work. Many city dwellers have been rushing to the suburbs, creating shortages of homes available for sale, triggering more construction. In Boise, Idaho, one of the nation's hottest markets, a home that would have cost around $470,000 to build in 2019 would now cost nearly $750,000. As an example of why this has transpired, consider the fact that the price of concrete slabs used in building foundations has risen 104% since 2019. Despite a recent dip in the price of lumber, lumber prices are up more than 200% since 2019. The price of drywall and insulation is up 26%. The price of plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical systems is up 49%. The price of appliances is up 65% in large measure because the cost of metals globally has been racing higher. The price of paint is up by 68%. With raw materials prices continuing to rise around the world, cost will remain elevated for some time to come. That is having a chilling effect on the home building market in America. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Economists, journalists, and others have focused much of their recent attention on inflation and with good reason. Average prices in America have surged 5.4% over the past year. As indicated by writer Ben Dooley, consumers have been paying more for everything from airfares to used cars. Despite that, many economists are still concerned about a lack of inflation, at least in the longer term. In fact, they're concerned by deflation, which occurs when average prices are in decline. That does not sound like much of a problem. After all, lower prices mean that each dollar in our wallet or purse or bank account or computer can purchase more. But here's the issue. Let's say you're in the market for a 70-inch television. Let's say you also know that in six months, the same TV will be meaningfully cheaper. So you choose to wait. But in six months, when you go to buy that TV, you realize that in another six months, that TV will be even less expensive. That's the problem. 
people postpone purchasing and the demand for goods in the economy evaporates. That's a problem for suppliers and the broader economy. Concerns regarding America's future emerge in part from the experience of Japan, where many prices are in decline despite ongoing economic stimulus measures there. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. America's appetite for vehicles has perhaps never been stronger. A combination of stimulus payments, elevated household savings, rapid economic rebound, low interest rates, out-migration to the suburbs, thirst for the latest technologies, and desire for greater energy efficiency is fueling the demand. Here's the issue. While quantity demanded is high, quantity supplied is constrained. As indicated by writer Neil Boudet, automakers are struggling to expand production because of a shortage of computer chips caused in large measure by the pandemic. The increasing pervasiveness of smartphones, online shopping, remote work, and Zoom meetings has increased demand for devices, leaving less chip-making capacity available for other economic segments. So dealers and individuals are struggling to obtain vehicles. Some dealers are calling and emailing former customers offering to repurchase vehicles sold a year or two earlier. Because there aren't enough new cars available, demand for used cars has been surging. The latest data indicate that used car prices are up 45% over the past year. To compensate for limited chip supplies, General Motors has temporarily done away with certain features in certain models, like stop-start systems that automatically turn off engines occasionally to save fuel. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Democrats and Republicans don't seem to agree about much, but when the subject is infrastructure, there are plenty of politicians from both sides of the aisle who believe that stepped-up investment in roads, bridges, transit, electrical grids, and water systems is a very good idea. But a new paper authored by two economists, one from Harvard and the other from MIT, indicates that gains from greater infrastructure investment aren't always obvious. The economists recommend that policymakers examine each project according to associated benefits and costs. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, in some instances, the authors conclude that the best solution doesn't involve construction at all. For instance, rather than building new lanes to ease traffic in dense urban areas, it might make more sense to consider congestion pricing, whereby drivers pay a variable fee depending on time of day. Policymakers should not only consider a project's financial costs, but also its impacts on the environment and maintenance requirements. Such cost-benefit analyses would likely recommend focusing more on maintaining existing infrastructure rather than investment in new projects. About 47% of highway spending presently goes toward maintenance. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.